with me to the book of First Corinthians chapter number seven as we continue out with our series Scandalous and inside look at the Corinthian church. We said when we start this this series that the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. Would y'all repeat that with me? Say the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. Let's make it personal. I am too important to ignore problems in my life that need fixing. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter number seven. We're going to pick back up at verse number 25 uh, of the scripture text. And then Paul is writing here to the church of Corinth. He writes to this church that is, that is a divided church, a church that has issues going on, a church that they were breaking up into cliques, a church that that was uh, that was awash in sexual immorality, a church that was not standing up for moral and spiritual truths, a church that 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 was not living up to its potential. This church was flourishing in spiritual gifts. Everybody had a word. Everybody had a prophecy. They had tongues, interpretation of tongues. Amen. Laying hands on the sick and the sick recovering. All of these spiritual gifts that were flourishing throughout this church, yet there were problems that were being ignored. And the Apostle Paul, who had oversight as an apostle over this church, begins to, first of all, address some stuff that was brought to his attention. Can I get a witness? Paul, a a member of Chloe's household that came to Paul and told him, Paul, there's some stuff going on in the church at Corinth that you need to address. And Paul, uh, being the the, the apostle that he is, says, you know, it's too important for me to ignore problems that need fixing. So I'm going to deal with those problems in the church at Corinth. He talked about the the lack of unity, talked about uh, the the moral climate in the church. He talked about the sexual immorality and told us, you you guys, you're bragging and you're boasting about the spiritual gifts. You're bragging and boasting about the the intellectual knowledge that the members had and and how culturally uh, uh, advanced you are. But you're not dealing with stuff that's ended up making the church ineffective. So he talked about those problems. Then, but the church also wrote him and, and asked him some questions. So as we get into the seventh chapter, we start looking at some of the questions that the church had written to Paul to ask him to help them to, to deal with those, those problems they had, uh, that they had concerns about, all right? So verse number 25, let's read together. It says, now concerning your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from them from the Lord, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. And I'll share it with you. All right. So Paul is saying here, he says, this passage here is a judgment of Paul's, not a direct commandment of the Lord. In other words, he didn't have a direct commandment of Jesus about this, but God had given him wisdom. So he's going to use the wisdom that God has given him by way of the Holy Spirit to answer their question. Amen. All right. Are y'all with me today? So, so, so again, let's keep reading, but we'll move on down. To the next verse, uh, verse number 26 is because of the present crisis, I think it is best that to remain as you are. Next verse says what? Uh, if you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. All right. But if you do get married, it's not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. Now, now watch this now. Again, you, you, you have to read this in context. You got to read this as it relates to what Paul is dealing with 
at the time that he wrote this to the church at Corinth. Amen. Paul had already addressed a a brief word to this group uh, back up in verses eight and nine. But in this closing section of this chapter, he went into greater detail. That That question was this. Must a Christian get married? Must a Christian get married? Do you have to get married? Well, the obvious answer is, is no. Everybody say no. You don't have to get married. Right? Y'all understand that, right? But we do know that Paul said another uh, passage of scripture says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Amen? So, so the question was that they wrote Paul asked, must a Christian get married? What about the unmarried women in the church who are not getting any younger? All right? You know, and, 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 and maybe Paul, as he writes this, is addressing uh, maybe the parents of, of, of young daughters who, who were questioning this issue or the parents had questions about it. But since Jesus did not give a special teaching on this topic, Paul gave his counsel uh, as, as one who was taught of the Lord. Amen. And he asked them to consider several factors when they made their decision about marriage. Again, marriage, whether I told you on last week and, and, and one of my one of my, my faithful listeners told me, said, Pastor, you may want to just clarify that. I said, as long as you're a Christian, it don't matter who you marry. It does. All right. I'm talking about a man and a woman. I want to make that clear, okay? Because in our culture today, our culture has said that it's okay for a man to marry another man. Our culture has said, our political leaders have said it's okay for a woman to marry another woman. Now listen, I don't, I I love everybody, and if somebody's struggling with same-sex attraction, we want to minister to you, but we cannot ordain what God has declared to be ungodly. All right. So you may call me politically incorrect, you may call me uh, intolerant, but I'm going to stick with the word of God. Are you with me? And if I have to take some arrows for preaching the word of God, I'm going to take some arrows for preaching the word of God. We love everybody and we're going to minister everybody to come to those doors, but we cannot ordain what God does not ordain. All right. That don't mean that we will treat anybody different. That don't mean that we're, going to, we're not going to love you, but we're not going to we're not going to declare something to be right when God said it's not right. Amen. So so when I said a Christian, two Christians can get married, I'm talking about a man and a woman. If I say man and woman. All right, all right. So, so we get this. So, so, so one thing that he wants to consider first of all, uh, consider the present circumstances. In, in your outline, it says consider the present distress of the world. Now, again, we don't necessarily know what all was going on here in Corinth, but but as Paul talks about, the, it was a time of distress uh, when the society was going through uh, some dramatic changes in Corinth, and there was not much time left for serving the Lord. It's it's possible that there was some political upheaval and some economic upheaval that was happening there. And so Paul is advising them that under the circumstances, amen, you must realize that it's, 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 you don't have to get married. And, and under the circumstance, it may be best for you to remain as you are. Now, let me, let, let me can I just dial it down a little bit and let me talk to some modern day thinking nowadays. Now, let me say something. I've heard people say this. Um, and, and this is, y'all hear me carefully. Now, if you're in this situation, don't get mad with me. I'm just going to tell you what the word of God says, okay? If you're in this situation, I still love you, but I want to encourage you to do what's right. And I'm here when I've said this before, and this is not be the first time you heard me say this, but I've said it before and I've heard people hear the word and they made a change. There are people who are living together and say that we want to make sure we get our money right first before we get married. Now think about the fallacy of that, Bobby. You're already living together. 
You're already sharing expenses. And before you get married, you want to get your money right. Okay, let's let's back up for a second. If you're already living together, already sharing expenses together, how much does a marriage license cost? Anybody got married lately? to change your status from being out of the will of God to being in the will of God. $35. Let that sink in just for a second. You're already living together. You're already doing what married people do because don't tell me you're living together and y'all just sleeping in a separate bedroom. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm too old a cat to be fooled by a kid. Come on now. Even if you even if you were, say, quote, doing that, why would you put yourself in that position? Why would you tempt yourself like that? Come on now. Because the first time she walks across the kitchen floor and you see her in her. Well, OK. All right. Do y'all get my drift? Are you following me? See. I want to teach the word of God. I want us to realize what God's word says. So, so if, if I'm going to stay with somebody, why not be in covenant relationship with them? Amen. According to God's will. And all it costs you is $35 because you're already living together. Are y'all still with me? Is some of y'all out there shacking or something. I, I felt a cool spirit. So that, that's the old, the old, the old folk call it shacking. In other words, what, what it means is you have not, you have failed to make a covenant commitment. Because if I'm just living with you and just staying together, then I'm not really truly committed to you. I don't care what I say with my mouth. Because it's easy for you to pack the thing up and get on out of there. Amen. You're not in it together covered. So make you, listen, if you're there, what I would tell you, amen, decide where you're going to head. Now, I'm not telling you to get married, but if you're not going to get married, move out. Go stay with your mama until you can find your place. Temporarily. Everybody say temporarily. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, so again, they're dealing with a time of distress. And again, watch this now. Again, let's go back to the text. Okay. So the first concern, consider the present distress of this world. Consider what was going on. Because there, there may be times when, let's say, for instance, if I am uh, whatever, if I'm... Uh, I'm going to be gone for one year, two years or whatever on a temporary assignment and you can't go with me. Um, and maybe during that particular time, you know, we want to get married, but we decide that we're going to it, it may be best for us to hold off until I get back. All right. That 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 may be OK in that situation right there. Well, but that, that's a decision that's up to you. But here's, here's what I would tell you. Long distance marriages and long distance relationship can be difficult. We all look at me. Long distance relationship, although they can, I'm not saying they, they can't work, but you got to be strong spiritually. You got to be strong with your convictions because if you if you a thousand miles away or whatever, you can't see somebody once or twice a year, it's going to make it difficult because you can talk on the phone, you can FaceTime, but it ain't the same as being there together. There's something about being in the same city, having to deal with somebody on a regular basis. 
Because how many of y'all know all of us can be on our best behavior if I only see you once every four months? I'm going to be real nice to you because I, I, I miss you and, and, and I'm going to try my best not to argue with you because our time is, remember, we got four days and we want these four days to be good days. And you don't really know that real person until you spend some time with them. You don't really, I would even go as far as say this, you don't really know the, the, the real person until you are in covenant relationship with them. Now, again, I'm not saying don't get married. I'm saying that it, it Paul, what Paul is saying here, considering the present distress, and we don't know what that distress was. He said it, it may be a good idea just to, to hold off. Amen. You, you, you don't have to get married. They, they were under the impression that every Christian must be married. Let's keep reading. Go, go to the next verse. Come on. Y'all with me? Verse number. Let's, let's move to verse number 29. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on, only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. Come on, let's read again. OK, it says for, for those, those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them for this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. Paul is telling them, say, listen, know that the time is short. Know that 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 we don't have a whole lot of time on the on the on the prophetic time clock. Guys, again, remember one day with the Lord is what is a thousand years and a thousand years. is That's what one day. So so God doesn't mock time or mock time like we do. God is not bound by time. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So what we deem to be a long period of time in the eyesight of God is just a blip on the radar. But what we must understand is that our time is short. Paul knew that we were living in the last day. He said, know that the time is short. When you make any decision, know that the time is short. The third concern was be without anxiety and distressing care. Don't 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 find yourself in that position where you are stressing and straining and walking in anxiety. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 32. Let's walk there. Right. Verse number 32. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Now, watch what he says. And unmet. Again, he's, he's, he's giving advice and he's telling you, you don't have to get married. All right. But he's already said, if you can't contain, if you have. It's better to marry than to burn in lust, right? That's what he said. So now, that's what he said early on in this chapter. But he says, that I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. Y'all got that? Let's keep moving, right? But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to, and how to, and how to, I need some brothers to say what say that last that last part with me and how to what brother? I need y'all to say it one more time and how to what? Okay, good, good, good. I, I, just, I want you to hone in. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his life. What Paul is saying, given the circumstance, given what was happening, given this time of distress here in Corinth, he says, listen, it it it, it really it'd be better for you to be single. All right, but now watch this. Let's keep moving. His interests are divided. You married, your interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. 
He says, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities. Come on, ladies. And how to what? I didn't hear y'all, ladies. Come on, ladies. Come on, one more time. Y'all not loud enough. Brothers, are they loud enough for y'all? And he says, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to what? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So this thing is balanced out. Paul don't just leave us hanging, does it? Can I get a witness? So he says, in this present distress, think about these things, okay? Uh, be without anxiety and distressing care. Look at the next one, okay? Let's go to the next verse. Attend upon the Lord without distraction. Watch this. I am saying this for your benefit. Look at what he says. Not to place restrictions on you. In other words, I'm not telling you not to get married. But what I'm telling you is if you are single, it's, you have a greater opportunity to give all of your time to God and to serve him without the, without the responsibility of, of taking care of the home, without the responsibility of, of doing this, and without the responsibility of pleasing your wife or your husband. Watch this now. Okay? So if you're a widow or maybe through some sin or whatever, you're divorced, you don't have to get married to be complete. But if you want to, that's cool too. But don't, don't sit there and feel like you're less than a Christian, that you don't belong in this church because there are too many married folk up in there. I want you as a singer to know that you have an excellent opportunity to serve God diligently and give your time to him without having to worry about a man or a woman. All right? Watch this. I'm saying this for your benefit and not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. With as few distractions as possible. Now, let me say this right quick, and I'm, I'm going to talk to myself, and I'm talking to all of y'all in here, too. There are a lot of things that will distract us. And truly, when you're in a relationship, you're going to have distractions that will pull you away from the things of God. So what Paul is saying is you got to make sure you measure that out and understand. He's not saying don't get married, but what he's saying is if you're single, then you have a greater responsibility. But now, there's other stuff besides our spouses that can distract us. And I'm going to say something that my wife told me, and, 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 and I, I found to be true. Those phones and social media can be a distraction. Let me sit down, because some of y'all, all you you glued to your phone. And you ain't just reading your Bible on it either. Now, phones are not evil. Social media is not evil. But anything out of balance can cause you to be out of balance. All right. If I'm doing something to the extreme, then it can cause me to be out of position with my God. I knew this wouldn't that, that wouldn't sit well for some of y'all because some, some, some Christians, all you do is stay on that phone. Is the mic still on? I felt a cool spirit up in this place. And here's the problem. When you stay glued to your phone, comment on everything that somebody's doing, that's time you could be spending getting to know your God better. And then we have the audacity to fool ourselves into thinking that we don't have time to get in our word. Just, just chronicle your day today. Just, just chronicle, just jot down how you spend your time all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew, I know, I knew that was going to fall a little, little flat here. But I want to tell you something: social media can be a distraction. 
It can be a distraction. Sports can be a distraction. I love sports. I play college football. I, 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 you know, I, I watch sports. But sports can be a distraction. Because when it's all said and done, amen, how many points LeBron averages, whether he got the MVP, ain't going to change your life. One eye older. I ain't hating on him. Make as much money as you can, my brother. But what he does is not going to change my eternal destiny. I got to make sure that I'm walking with God. I got to make sure that I am putting myself in a position where I can, I can seek after God's will and that I can be in a position where I know what God wants for my life. And so he says here, with as few distractions as possible. Look at verse 36. I got to move. Got to move. Let's read. He says, but if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly. Now watch this now. Can y'all read with me? This is Paul giving advice to the church at Corinth. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes, it's not a sin. If you don't have the gift of celibacy and you know it, and you know you're going to give in to your passion. Paul said it's better to marry than to burn in lust. That's what he said. That's what the wisdom he gave. Can y'all, can we read this again? But a man thinks he's treating his fiance improperly. Y'all not reading with me. And will inevitably. Now you know you better than anybody else knows you. You know you. You know, you know if you, you know, if you get along with her what you're going to do. You know you better than anybody else knows you. <laughs> Let him marry her as he wishes. It's, it's not a sin. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, let's go to the end of the chapter. I got I to move to the next part, okay? It says, but, but, if, but, if, he, but he, if he has decided firmly not to marry, and there is no urgency, and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So what is he saying? Brother, if you're not going to marry, you ought not be sexing everybody in town up. Can I talk to you right now? See, we always look at. <laughs> I'm just this, this in the Bible. Is it in the Bible? Are we walking through the word? We're talking about this. Corinthian church that was in a scandalous situation and in this time of distress in this time of turmoil Paul gives him advice but if he's decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion he does well not to marry Paul says really that's a good thing why why is it a good thing because you can give yourself totally over to the Lord Hey, we need, to go, we need to go on this mission trip to Haiti uh, next week. You ought to go home and try to fight with your wife to see if you can go. You, you get your shots, you get your, you're prepared, you, and you just go. Right? But now, if, you go, if you're not going to be married, you can't be a playboy either. In the church. How many of y'all know we got, is, is that an old term? I don't think they even use playboys anymore. That's, that's old. What do they call them nowadays? Oh, somebody said, oh, no, come on. In the church, do you not know that there's some dudes that scope out church life? 
Because they, they can find a quiet, unassumable, uh, gullible lady. You can be saved and wise too. Just because you love Jesus don't mean that you got to be easy, easy like Sunday. Can I talk to y'all today? Be wise. And if you're going to stay single, brother, amen, amen, don't, don't be trying to. Is this, is this a little too pastoral for you all today? I got to talk to you this way because I want you to hear and understand what I'm saying. We have a responsibility as born again believers to live a life that, that, that honors our Savior, our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. So whether we, what, Paul wasn't saying don't get married. He don't say you have to say, but you're going to be running single. You know, if you can control your passion, you do well not to marry. Here's the problem. Some, some guys don't want to get married and they want to play the field. They want to play, play with young ladies' emotions. Take them through changes. Make, it, make them think they're going to marry them. Just so she can give in and say, well, you know, we're going to get married one day. So the Bible don't say if you're going to get married one day, you can go on and begin to indulge in sexual activity. It doesn't say that. Can I talk to us today? Can I talk to the body of Christ? Paul is dealing with this thing. He says, you do well not to marry. And, but, but, but watch what he says here. Let's go to the next verse. Come on, let's read. 38, 38. So the person who marries his fiance does well. And the person who doesn't marry does even better. Assuming that he's not getting married and still trying to play around. Paul says it's better. Paul, Paul says that person who signed up to get married, they're actually doing better because why? They can give all their time to the Lord. They're not distracted by having to please a wife or a husband. Next verse. Come on. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage the singles out there. Don't get discouraged. Don't let people talk about you and make you feel like you're less than a believer. Hey, man, you, well, next time they come and say, listen, baby, listen, I'm, I'm giving my time to Jesus. Hey, listen, I don't have the same distraction. You got, you got to go home and please your husband, don't you? Do you feel like it tonight? Well, if I don't, I don't feel like I ain't got, I ain't got to do that, but you, 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 you can't be talking about I got a headache every night. Because Paul just told us that we don't have a thought of our own bodies, right? I got to keep moving because some of y'all, some of y'all can't take this kind of preaching. A wife is bound to a husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. All right. So in light of the circumstance, in light of what was going on this time, in light of distress, the present distress, he gives some 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 advice here, some, some instruction. He says, but only if he loves the Lord. Next verse. Come on, let's go. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. Here he is again. And I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when, when I say this. Come on, is that, we got another verse in there? Is that it? All right. So Paul says, Paul says, I think that, that, that my advice would be to stay single. That's what advice. But if you can't contain, he says what? Marry. Let's go to the next verse, next, next chapter. So the question about whether Christian virgins and widows should marry. They're dealing with this situation, and so Paul gives some advice. And again, we, we could unpack this for the next few days or so, but I don't have time. I want to just throw that out there for you and let you chew on that and go back, and I want you to study it. Now, there are some of you all may have questions about what happens if I was divorced. 
uh, you know, and, and what if it wasn't because of adultery? What if, what if it wasn't because of abandonment? Uh, you know, Paul, uh, you know, Jesus said specifically that if in the case of adultery, you have the right to leave and you're not on the bondage at the time, but you don't have to. I told you on last week, probably the greatest, one of the greatest show of unconditional love is that when you will forgive somebody who's hurt you that way. Now, again, and somebody who's repented, not somebody who continuously does that stuff. A person who continues to do that stuff got a problem. And, and you're not helping them by enabling them. Hello. And I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm saying that. But wouldn't, wouldn't it be honorable to do and to show God's love in such a powerful way to say, you know what? I got a right to leave you behind. And I'm hurt. But you know what? I'm going to pray through this thing. I'm going to seek God's will. And, if, and, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to show the redemptive love of God works. I'm going to give you an opportunity to show that, that, that if you will turn a man away from sin and get back to God, that God will restore you back to your proper place. And I'm going to give a tangible example of that by giving you your proper place back. What an awesome responsibility. But if you chose to do otherwise, God will not hold you uh, responsible. He says you're free on that situation. Amen. Let's go to this eighth chapter right quick. Okay. All right. We're going we're to move to this eighth chapter. Now, watch this. We get into this eighth chapter. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse number one. Let's go. The question concerning Christian liberty and personal rights. Because how many of y'all know sometimes you may have a right to do something, but it's not wise to do it. You may have liberty to do a certain thing, but don't do it because of what it's going to do to somebody else. And this Paul begins to address this in this eighth chapter. Let's go right quick. Now, now regarding your question, here is another question. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that does what? Come on now, while knowledge, watch this, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that strengthens the church. See, we can have a church full of people who, who are Bible studiers and come to Bible study and know the word of God and, and, and can dissect uh, the book of Nehemiah front and back. But if you ain't got love, just having knowledge is not going to strengthen the church. Hello, somebody. He says, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Verse number two, let's read. He says, well, anyone who claims to know all the answer doesn't really know very much. Uh Uh-oh. Watch this, watch this. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't know very much. Now, remember, remember the context. Remember Corinth was was a metropolitan city. Remember Corinth had a lot of intellectual knowledge. Had a lot of uh, uh, um, people there who who were uh, philosophers and people who who valued intellect. And again, as I've always told you guys, get as much inf- information and knowledge and education as you can, but don't ever trust your knowledge, Amen, above God's word. Don't ever trust your intellect and ignore God's word. Watch this. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Watch this. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Back up, look at verse number two again. Watch verse two. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. Verse number three says what? But the person who loves God is the one whom God does what? 
God recognized. Next verse. Let's read. It says what? So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God and that there is only one God. How many of y'all know that's true? All right. Now, but, but let me back up. Look, look at our first outline. We said number, under, this, under, under the question concerning Christian liberty and personal rights, the first thing we got to do is, is, first of all, Christians must, must make efforts to avoid offending the consciences of weaker brothers and sisters. Paul calls a weaker brother or sister as one who may not have the same spiritual knowledge concerning a certain thing in the scripture and how they should approach it. He calls that person a weaker brother. In particular, in context, he deals with there were people who were there in Corinth, particular, uh, you know, uh, those who came out of the world and who were, who thought that if you ate meat that had been offered or ate food that had been offered to false gods, that you were sinning. Now, this, in our culture, this doesn't necessarily connect with us because, you know, we're not we're not offering sacrifices in that way. But basically what he's saying is that that there are people who said that, you know, if you eat what would happen is all of the sacrifices that were brought to the temple were not used up in the sacrifice. They couldn't possibly use it all up. So what they would do is they would take the excess food, meats and take it to the marketplace and sell it. And people would buy that meat that had been offered as a sacrifice to some of these false gods. And so what would happen is, is that it, if, 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 if you brought, invited somebody to dinner uh, and that particular person believed that eating that meat that had been brought in that marketplace that had been offered to the idol God, if they believed that was sin, and then you brought them to your house and said, I want you to come to dinner, and they came to dinner, and it was known that they brought that, you brought that meat from the marketplace, then now that person sitting in your house, and it was rude, and considered to be crude and unsocial not to eat when you invite to eat. It'll be like me inviting you to my house and, 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 and all week long I've been telling you to come over. When you come over and then you don't want to eat because you think I can't cook. <laughs> How many of y'all have been to somebody's house and maybe, maybe you, you fill your plate up without knowing whether the person can cook or not and you took one bite and you went. Now your plate full. And now they're looking at you because, Pastor, here, try this. This is my best dish. Eat it, Pastor. What you think, Pastor? Now I got a whole plate full of that stuff. Come on now, and it's nasty. Now I'm in a predicament, right? Because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Because you did all this for me. You invited me over. It'd be rude for me not to eat. Wouldn't y'all think? Uh, come on now. It would be rude for me not to eat. So, so in, this, in this culture, it would be rude to have invited somebody to your house and then that person you invited wouldn't eat the food that you present before them. But now, again, if food had been offered to idols, if that person's sitting there and thinking that this is wrong, it's sinful for me to eat this stuff, then what you're going to do by inviting them and offering them that is you're going to cause them to violate their conscience. Are y'all with me today? All right? So, 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 so the question concerning Christian liberty and personal rights here, Christians must make every effort to avoid offending the consciences of weaker brothers and sisters. Now watch what Paul says here. Listen to his advice here. Let's get back to the text. Next verse. Let's get back to the next verse. Come on, let's go. Hallelujah. He says, there may be so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. Verse number six. But we know that there's only one God, the Father, 
who created everything and we live for him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything and through whom whom we have been given life. Next verse. Let's go. Uh, However, not all believers know this. Not all believers know that there ain't no other God except, except the God of heaven, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, not all believers know that there, there is, that, that, that there is no, really no idol gods, no false god. He says, some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. Y'all with me? Watch it. So verse 8, verse 8. Watch this. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't, we don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't gain anything if we do eat it. Verse 9, let's read. Come on. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. Now watch, watch, watch. Okay. So, so, so watch this. In your outline, it says, uh, we said, number one, judge things by love, not by knowledge. Right? Uh, and number two, he said, know that food does not make a person spiritual. Food does not make a person spiritual. Deciding not to eat pork meat don't make you spiritual. Some of y'all may not have even heard that. But can, can, we, can we bring it up a little bit closer? You know, let's say dress. And, and, and in, some, in some cases, this is still an issue in churches. Wearing pants to church don't make uh, not not wearing pants to church don't make you any more spiritual. Wearing a dress does not make you more spiritual. Hello, how many y'all how many y'all know that back in whenever the the television set first came on the scene, there were many people in the church who preached that TV was the devil's box. Some of y'all are too young to remember that, but it was considered to be sin to own a TV. Especially if you came out of some of these apostolic denominations, some of the Church of God in Christ, apostolic, to have a TV was a sin. Those, uh, uh, I heard a brother say one time, you know, we, you know, we, if we had a TV, we wouldn't let nobody know about it. Because it was considered in some places to be sin. But how many of y'all know the TV ain't sin? It's, it, it's an instrument that can be used to commit sin. It's like your computer and the internet is not, in itself is not sin, but it can be used for sinful purposes. Are y'all with me? But, but, but again, food does not make a person spiritual. So watch, let's get back to the scripture text and we've got to move on down through here. Watch this now. So food does not make a person spiritual. So whether you're well-dressed or not, don't mean that you're more spiritual. And your righteousness is not determined by your dress code. Now again, as I've always said, the Bible tells us to, to dress in moderation. And we, we ought to be mindful of how we dress. We got to be mindful of, of what we put on. Because what you dress, how you dress, sends signals. Now, I was in banking for 17 years, and as a banker, I, I wore a suit every day except on casual Fridays. And I, when I wore a suit, guess what? Now, now Katie, you got, a, you got a red tux on, almost looked like. All right? But, but as a banker, I, I couldn't wear a red suit. All right? I mean, I could have. But the connotation of a banker with a red suit on and uh, open collar shirt. Y'all remember in the disco days when you had to. Come on now. I need some disco brothers. Carl, I seen you when you had your fro and you had the wide collar. (laughs) That would have sent a signal in that business environment. 
not that it was wrong. It's just that the message that I, was, I wanted to send was, I'm professional. You can trust me with your money. Right? Okay? So had, had, if, I had, if I wore jeans and a holy t-shirt and a do-rag, yeah, come on, man, let me hook you up. The image that I'm portraying, whether I believe, I, I, can, I can say, well, you know, I'm free. It's just me. It's the way I roll. But if I am trying to get to some place, and that place that I'm trying to get to requires me to dress a certain way, dressing that way ain't going to kill me. Especially if it helps me to get some customers and so I can make my bonus and I can get that off of that bonus, I can get my tie check in here and we can help build this church. So quit trying to say, well, you know, this is me. I, I'm, I'm expressing myself. And, and again, what, what I'm saying, I'm saying we have freedom of expression to a certain extent. I'm not talking about hairstyle, that type of thing. But even when you are, you got to make a determination whether or not this is going to limit you in being able to do what you require to do. Okay? Even though I might have the freedom to do it, if in that, in that particular case, if, if it's going to cause me not to be able to reach the customer base that I want to reach, then I got to consider how I'm dressing. But in the church, the outward appearance does not equal internal righteousness. How many of y'all know folks who wear dress every Sunday and just as hellish as all get out? Hello? Some people would be offended that I'm preaching in jeans and a shirt. I just can't listen to him. He got them jeans on. <laughs> I just, I just, and, and guys, hear me carefully. Tradition is so strong that even when you're taught better, there's something on the inside of you that won't let you get with it that I, as a preacher, I'm up in this pulpit. First of all, I ain't got no chairs back behind me with, with five ministers sitting back there looking at me half of them sleep. we talk but tradition is a strong thing Jesus said your traditions have made the word of God of none effect we can be so ingrained in something that whenever you're shown the truth of it in the scripture your tradition will help you to ignore this word of God y'all with me so my dress don't make me righteous Although I'll address in moderation. I don't, I don't need to be up here preaching and drawing attention to myself. In a negative way. Amen. And you don't need to be ushering. Drawing attention to yourself in a negative or provocative way. Ladies, be mindful of how you dress. Because whether they admit or not, brothers are watching. I didn't, know. <laughs> I didn't get one amen on that, but you know what? I know I'm right. I know I'm right about it. And you sisters know I'm right about it too. Because the truth be told, you know how to work that thing. And when I say work that thing, I mean you know how to capture the attention 
of a brother if you so desire. I need some help up in here. Where my amen corner up here? You know how to do it. You know how to send the signal, hey, I'm interested in you. Brother Smith, man, it's so good to see you, brother. Man, you, you just, uh, oh, look, Brother Smith. <laughs> brother Jones, man, you know, oh, brother, 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 oh, man, it is so good to see you. Now, you ain't told your husband it's good to see him in five years. <laughs> but you tell him, Brother Jones, I'm, I'm just using plain names, Smith, Robert, I ain't talking about you, and Carl, I ain't talking about you. I got to clear it up because some, some people can't take this kind of preaching. You think, he's talking about me. But am I, am I right? So, so what Paul is saying is that, let's get back to the text. That was a rabbit trail. But I need to kill something. Although you have liberty, do not use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Although you got liberty, amen, to, 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 to dress casual, don't get so casual that, that, that it, it, it draws attention to yourself. I mean, dress sharp. Some of y'all are sharp dresses. Amen? But don't, 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 don't dress in a way that, that, that causes that. You know what I'm saying. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying, don't you? You know exactly what I'm saying. I, I think you know. Maybe you don't know. If you don't know, you need to, you need to find out, Okay? Ask somebody. Watch this. Watch 9 through 11. So, so, so point number three. Christians, again, in Christian men must make every effort to avoid offending the conscience of the weaker brothers. Point number three. Take heed. Do not be a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block. If I invite you over to eat meat that's been offered to idols and I know it violates your conscience, I'm being a stumbling block. If I, go to, if, I, if I come to your church and I'm invited to preach and I know certain churches that still say women need to wear dresses, what do we do when we go there, Ladies. We put a dress on. It ain't going to kill us. Ain't no skin off our back. We ain't going up in time. Y'all just behind the time. No. That's wrong. You take yourself up in there. Put your dress on. Praise the Lord. Leave out and go home and change putting your pants on. I'm trying to help somebody. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. We know better. But a weaker brother who has not come to the revelation knowledge of this truth don't know better. And so it violates their conscience, which to them to become sin. Watch it, 9, 10, verse 10. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? Next verse, come on, verse 11. So because of your superior knowledge, a weak brother for whom Christ died will be destroyed. Take heed. Don't, don't be a stumbling block. There's something that you got liberty to do, but you don't do it because it's a stumbling block to other brothers and sisters in Christ. If when I got through preaching today, I told Brother Jerry, bring me, bring me some, some, some uh, Coke and rum. I needed need something to calm my nerve. I've been preaching hard. So Jerry Blake, bring me some Coke and rum to the pulpit. 
bring it back to the study. And now, if y'all, <laughs> now, now listen. Now, now, I, I just shared that with Jerry, and then, and then some of y'all were like, "What?" <laughs> if you found out that I got pulled over for a DWI, it's going to impact how you see me. It's going to be a stumbling block for that brother. Okay, y'all follow me? Look, look, look at this. I, uh, so, so take heed. To, don't, don't, don't be a stumbling block. Some stuff you may have freedom to do, but don't do it because it's going to cause somebody else to fall. And when we do that, when we cause them to fall, it becomes sin to us. Because we've been, you've been taught. Look at the next one. Number four, do not wound a brother's conscience. This is sin against Christ. Watch, look at verse 12 with me right quick. And then we're 12 and 13. So, and, and when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. Read that out loud with me. And when you sin against other believers, how? By encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. Verse 13, let's read. It says, so, 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 so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stop. Now, what, what, what is he talking about? Remember the context. He's talking about meat, food. In other words, the, the, the root word for meat here is food, food that's been offered an idol. If I'm eating food that's been offered unto idols uh, and it's causing another believer to, to sin, he says, I won't eat that meat. I won't drink that drink. EBC members. What does our church covenant say? You don't know. I'm going to abstain from the sale and use of alcoholic beverages. Now, here you out there at the party just drinking, you're at the game drinking. And they know you're a deacon of the church. Now, how's that going to play? Oh, y'all don't want to talk about that, do you? You don't want to talk about that? Because Paul said, so if what I eat or what I drink or where I go causes another believer to sin, Paul said, I ain't going to ever need it again because I don't want to cause another believer the stomach. Some of us are causing people to stumble because of the way we live. Some of us sitting right here in this church are causing people to stumble and not make a connection to God because you're talking about your Jesus, but you're cussing everybody out. You're talking about your Jesus, but you're the mean and ornery person on the job. You're talking about Jesus, but then when you go to the family time, you, you, you're the crudest person there. And then go invite them to come to your church. They don't want to come. Because we got to be a positive representative. Glory to God. Liberty, liberty, watch this, watch this. So, y'all see what Paul's saying? Nice chapter, real quick. Close it out on this. Last part of your deal. I hope this ain't offend nobody. I hope you're hearing this. You know, and, and as we go, he, he gets into this ninth chapter. He starts talking about the question concerning the rights of a minister. And again, I'm going to pick back up on this next week. 
but so just make a note of that. We'll, we'll pick up in this third section next week. You know what? Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. Paul said that he knows that an idol is nothing. Neither is food anything. But but he says, you know, so, so it doesn't really matter if you eat it or not eat it. So in other words, if somebody comes to you and starts talking about dietary restrictions and you're wrong and you're out of the will of God, then food doesn't make you any more spiritual. Whether you eat it or don't eat it. Now, I understand this. If you, you, you have some medical restriction, don't go and eat stuff that's going to cause your blood pressure to turn up a thousand times from what it is. That would be foolish, wouldn't it? You got high blood pressure and you won't pick feet. Or chitlins. I hate to be stereotypical here, but you know. Or you eating stuff that's high in fat content that's going to drive your blood pressure up. That's foolish. And don't use what I just taught you to do that. Well, my pastor say that I can eat whatever I want to eat. Yes, I did. But you got a problem medically. So stay away from that stuff that's causing you to hurt. Some people are like, I don't care. This stuff's so good. I know it's going to make my head hurt and my blood pressure going to be up. My head going to be swimming. But you know, that food was good. Now, come on now. Knowledge puffs up, but love does what edifies, it builds up. Knowledge is only partial. No matter what a person thinks, he knows it's incomplete. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. Are y'all with me today? There, there were philosophers here in Corinth who thought that they, that they, they could philosophize away, amen, the spiritual things. And, and so, but, but we are incapable of knowing Anything in his fullness in his entirety. God, God is the one who knows everything. So I'm going to trust what his word says. Amen. And love unites a person to God. If a man loves God, he is known and accepted by God. He's not accepted by God because of his knowledge and his national position or where you stand. So, guys, I want I want to close this out with this. And as we get ready to go, I get ready to go to my seat. Those questions that they asked Paul a legitimate question that the church had about whether to marry or not marry. That's going to be a decision that you make. Uh, whenever I'm counseling couples, you know, I, I want them to know what marriage means and the importance of it and don't jump into something frivolously or, or just, you know, don't get married just because of physical intimacy. That physical intimacy is only one aspect of a marital relationship. What happens when physical intimacy is not out there? If you don't have the, the spiritual and the emotional intimacy, your marriage is going to be in trouble. Amen? And so, so you need to know the full gamut of what that relationship means. Okay? So, so Paul writes this. He, said, you know, he answered those questions. He answered the question concerning Christian liberty and personal rights. And then he's going to get to the question concerning the rights of a minister in this ninth chapter, which we'll pick up on Lord say the same on next week. Guys, I love you, and I pray that you're learning something from this scripture teaching. The church at Corinth had some problems. There was disunity. There was immorality. 
running rampant in the church. So Paul writes to address those concerns and answer their question. My question to you today is, is that what questions do you have about your walk with the Lord? What problems are you dealing with that you need God to help you to fix it? Because ultimately what we said was the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. You are too important to ignore problems that need fixing in your individual life. You are too important to ignore problems that need fixing in your marriage. You are too important to ignore problems that need fixing on your job. Because where you are, there, there goes the church. So if, if it's too important to ignore, ignore problems in the church, you the church. So wherever you go, if there are problems, let's try to let the Holy Spirit help us to fix those problems. And I promise you there's an answer. When we seek out of the book, when we go to the word of God, when we seek godly counsel and stop seeking worldly counsel, amen, that, that we should be able to solve those issues, amen, based on the word of God and people doing what God's word says. Jesus gave his life for us out on Calvary. He died, amen, on Calvary's hill, buried in the bar tomb, resurrected the third day morning with all power in heaven earth in his hand, and he's delegated that authority to us, that same power we have to live a God-fearing life. I want to encourage you. Let's move forward in faith. Let's let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do in our lives. Amen? Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.